Hi, and welcome to Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. If you're wondering what you can do with your degree, you're in the right place. You'll learn top tips and strategies you can apply to build an impactful career and meaningful life. Your host, Dr. Marin Wood, will share evidence-based research so that you can job search the smart way. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dr. Marin Wood. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, I always say that there's nothing special about PhDs who make the career transition. They just put in the hard work. But recently, we hosted a panel discussion at Beyond Prof with three incredible PhDs, Silas, who now works in venture capitalism, Laura, who's a learning design specialist for a Fortune 500 company, and Catherine, who works in text transfer and entrepreneurship. And as I was watching this panel, it occurred to me that these three, these three PhDs are all very different. They come from very different backgrounds, but, and they now work in very different careers, but they shared similar personal qualities and characteristics that really just shined through in this presentation. And these characteristics allowed them to be successful, not only in their career transition, but in their new careers. And I was later chatting with some of my team members, and we started digging into the qualities and characteristics we see most often in PhDs who launch successful non-academic careers, and the characteristics that are absent in PhDs that struggle or remain stuck in academia. And so what we realized from this panel and from our discussion as a team is that there are indeed very important characteristics or qualities that you need to, to cultivate and utilize in order to be successful in your career transition. So today on the podcast, I want to talk about these three essential qualities that you need to cultivate in order to be successful in finding and then building a meaningful non-academic career. The first char- characteristic is curiosity. You must be curious about the world and the people in it. In academia, I think curiosity is often replaced with passion. In order to be successful in your academic career, you have to be focused on one specific topic, usually a topic that like only five other people are also passionate about, let's be honest. And you have to exclude all other interests in order to be successful as a scholar. Think about how we talk about outside work experience or hobbies that people have, you know, they're often referred to as distractions or distracting you from your true pursuit, which is the subject matter that you are studying, the very narrow subject of your dissertation. And I think about what it takes to be successful in my own discipline of history. You know, scholars spend five or more years writing books. People spend their entire lives digging deeper and deeper into one time period, one topic, one town, and sometimes even one person. And so They're curious, but their curiosity is focused not outward, but very inward, very with a lot of blinders in order to keep themselves focused on becoming an expert in their field. And so in many ways, I think our curiosity muscle atrophies during graduate school or postdoc or during our early careers as scholars, as we're focused on on the rat race of academia. And we simply can't feed our curiosity because We have to focus instead on intellectual rigor. And so often the passion that we're following or pursuing is internal. It's about us, our interests, and what we think is meaningful and rewarding. Yes, it needs to fit into existing scholarship and body of knowledge, but we, us, the scholar, are the vehicle for this work. 
Curiosity, I think, is quite different. Curiosity is a drive to know things outside of ourselves. It's an openness and a willingness to engage with others, to learn about things that are different and beyond us. It's a desire to try new things and be open to new experiences. And again, to just really think beyond ourselves. So I was so struck by this when Laura was speaking about what she did during graduate school to learn and grow. She's a humanities PhD, but she just, her curiosity just knew no bounds. And, you know, it took her to the medical campus where she participated in a hackathon. And then that led to an opportunity to work in tech transfer. And then she was curious about the difference between education in a corporate space versus education in higher ed. So she started going to conferences and learning more about the world of of e-learning in the, in the corporate space. And through this entire presentation, she just was so open, you know, and she just was trying new things. And she was just so curious about like, oh, I wonder what that's going to be like, or I wonder what people think here, or I wonder what this might be like. And she just opened herself up to new experiences. And I just was so blown away by how curious Laura was about people, ideas, and opportunities. Curiosity is so important at the research stage of your career transition. We talk about the four stages of career transition at Beyond Prof all the time, but and it's going to be important throughout your entire career. But at this research stage, when you're beginning to identify career pathways that align with your optimal career path, you can't make assumptions about the professional workforce. You have to be incredibly curious and open. You have to be curious about what people do on a day-to-day basis, what it's like to work in a professional job, what people find rewarding and challenging in their careers. And too often, I see PhDs do the opposite. They come to their career transition with a lot of baggage and negative assumptions. And they go into the job search leading with assumptions and misconceptions. They're essentially, I feel like, looking for any reason for why they, can't be ha- why they won't be happy outside of the academy. You know, that confirmation bias that I talked about earlier in a podcast episode. What they tell me is, they'll say things like, well, you know, I, don't, I can't have people telling me what to do. I want autonomy. That's what I love about teaching. And I think, well, the definition of a job is people telling you what to do. And we live under a very strict code in academia. What counts as scholarship? What counts towards tenure? What's publishable? What is not? What is your discipline? What is not your discipline? And when you're thinking about teaching, there are disciplinary and department standards for courses. And then, of course, other people set the time that you need to show up to teach. So, you know, we don't escape this out of the academy, but there's somehow somehow this negative assumption about losing autonomy or losing flexibility or an assumption about what professional work will be like and that you can't be happy doing it. The flip side of this is actually to just be curious about what it's like to work a nine-to-five job and not ruling it out. You know, you probably haven't tried working nine-to-five. And again, not every job is actually nine-to-five. As a founder of a tech company, I kind of work from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. most days and most weekends. So actually a nine-to-five job sounds like magic. You know, PhDs also assume that they'll be bored in a non-academic job. But of course, you don't know. We're cut off from most other professional careers, and we don't know what project managers do or digital marketers or data scientists. And that kind of closed-mindedness, instead of being curious about, like, well, what do data scientists do? What do digital marketers do? We just kind of assume that it can't be intellectually interesting or rigorous or that we won't be happy doing it. And we approach our job search with a closed mind, the opposite of curiosity. So what this means is any doubt that you have needs to be turned into a question. Ask, I wonder what it's like to work, to ni- work nine to five. So many people do it. 
I wonder why, and I wonder why they're happy doing it. Or, you know, I wonder what it's like to actually work at a tech company or be a founder or to be a digital marketer. I wonder, I wonder what that's like. I, I have no idea, actually. I've never sat down and had a conversation with that person or a person doing that kind of job or working in that company. I'd like to learn more. I wonder what a hackathon is. I should go to one and just kind of see, you know, what's that about? I should go to a pitch night and learn about startups in my, in my community or my space. I just am sort of really curious about like what's happening in my city. I wonder what energizes people about digital marketing or what they find engaging or rewarding. See how one is closed? I can't be happy. I will lose flexibility. I, don't, I can't work a nine-to-five job. And the other is curious. You have to cultivate curiosity in your job search. Think about the students that you enjoy working with the most. They're curious. They ask questions and they are enthusiastic and they devour all the information you can give them. That's what you want to be in your job search. You want to be that curious student. All right. The second characteristic that you have to cultivate is a love of learning new things. And you're probably thinking, well, Marin, of course, I'm a PhD. I love learning. But again, do you, do you really love learning new things? You know, can you learn things that are not necessarily directly related to your passion, but that would lead to an interesting and fulfilling job? Last week, I was working with a group of PhDs, uh, and we were analyzing job ads to identify their most marketable skills. And many were discouraged because they were reading job ads, and they were discovering that they didn't know that very specific industry knowledge that is, is important for professional work. You know, professional careers just have their own unique theories and practices and bodies of knowledge, and they're very different from academia. And they were being stuck on this. So rather than seeing that they actually had most of the skills for the job, the soft skills and some of the technical skills, they were being very focused on subject matter expertise that they didn't have and specific tools that they didn't know how to use. So I asked PhDs on my on LinkedIn, you know, people that are in my in my sphere, to tell me how they learned the specific technical skills and industry knowledge in their career field. So make sure that you connect with me on LinkedIn and you can scroll through some of my posts and actually find this thread because it's super fascinating. What they all talked about was they had to read themselves into a new career field. They had to get what they called a working knowledge of a new career field. So here's what Renee Ann said. She wrote, to learn about my new career field, I did a lot of self-learning to pursue a couple industry certifications, attending virtual agile and IT meetups, engaged in pro bono work at a local nonprofit, and shadowed an agile coach. At first, I felt uneasy and losing my sense of expertise, but I soon gained confidence once on the job. Imposter syndrome can impact anyone, no matter how many years of experience you have. Melissa wrote, Pretend you're taking a course and need to learn everything you can about a topic. Listen to podcasts, watch webinars, take notes on key terms, themes, open a free account on a social media scheduler or ESPS or WordPress or Canva, play around with them and get familiar. You can learn so much by exploring and being curious. Here's what Zeb had to say. You know, if any doubts or questions you have, you should bring them up at informational interviews and don't do it in a grilly expert way, but frame it as wanting to learn more about the field and what you should read, watch, or listen to in order to get brought up to speed, to learn the language of employers. It's a great conversational point and it will give you tangible, useful homework. For people looking to move into coding, I point them towards certain tutorials, books, even a novel that gives a feel for what it's like to work in the industry. And coming from academia, it feels very, very foreign at first. So you'll notice that in these replies, and there's a couple others, they all highlight the first quality I brought up, a curiosity. 
and a second quality, which is a desire to learn new things and an ability to teach yourself those new things. So you got to shed this idea that you're an expert. It's fine. You were, you are, and now you need to read yourself into a new career field. And the same tools that you used and applied to become an expert in your academic field are the same tools that you'll apply to become an expert in digital marketing or coding or project management. The last characteristic I want to highlight is humility. But what I'm really trying to say is don't be arrogant. And the opposite of arrogance is humility, although I don't think it quite works here. But let me tell you what I mean. There's an attitude amongst PhDs that intellectual work only and exclusively happens in academia. So I hear this all the time. I'm worried I'm going to be bored. I'm worried that I'm going to be a cog in the wheel. I'm going to be sitting at my desk, not doing anything. You know, there's a real fear that that, that professional work is boring. And there's a real concern that leaving academia is the life of the, it will be losing the life of the mind. You know, that this sort of being able to follow your passions and kind of study what you want and read what you want, you know, you'll, you're going to lose that, which means you'll lose intellectual work. What this implies in these statements is you kind of think everyone else is stupid, right? That intellectual work only happens in the academy or that other people don't have creative projects that they pursue outside of their day-to-day work, that it's only you, it's only you, the academic, that has these creative pursuits or have these passions or that the only place to pursue your creativity and your passions are in academia. There's a real arrogant assumption about this and it kind of implies that you think everyone else is kind of stupid. It's an incredibly arrogant and damaging assumption. The truth is, the most innovative and creative spaces are outside of the academy, right? Innovation happens in fast-paced cultures in which you can try something, experiment, create, change, pivot fast. And that is the opposite of academic research, which is slow, methodical, and often takes years. You know, and if you think about it, like, do you think Oprah, Oprah's job is boring? You know, Oprah's not stupid. You know, she's a freaking genius and a billionaire. She's so smart. And if you think about what social scientists do, which is like interview other people, you can see how like Oprah is using skills that are similar to, to someone in social science, but she's doing it in a very different way. And she's, she's killing it, right? She's nailing it. She's a genius. She's probably not bored by her job. Michelle Obama, yeah, not stupid. Steve Jobs, not stupid. Stephen Colbert, not stupid. I mean, I could go on. There are so many crazy creative people and crazy creative spaces outside of the academy where people are pursuing passion projects, where they're intellectually engaged in their work, where they're doing good and they're building and changing the world, sometimes in nonprofits, sometimes in for-profit companies. It doesn't really matter because smart people work everywhere. So look around your space right now. Just look around it. All of this is a product of innovation, everything. All of this is a product of people, mostly in industry, busting to solve problems and build products and services to make our lives better. One in 10 jobs in the private sector are in, the, are in nonprofits, which means 90% of the work is happening in private business, in for-profit companies. So you're essentially telling 90% of people who are working in the private sector that they're greedy, that they're driven by profit, that their work is not interesting, that that's fine for them, but couldn't be fine for you. Think about what this implies. 
you're writing off your friends, your family, your neighbors, your community, the people that you interact with every single day. These people are smart. They're creative. They're working hard. They're making interventions. They're building meaningful lives just like you are. And so you need to be curious about what they're doing so that you can find a new space for you where you can thrive. So maybe humility isn't the right word. Maybe it's just about showing respect to other people and the work that they're doing and respecting their intellect, their talents, and their skill. And that's what I want you to be. I want you to be respectful and curious, and I want you to learn and new things and grow. Whatever it is, it's the opposite of arrogance. And it's a recognition that smart people work everywhere. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. For more resources to help you launch your next great career, be sure to visit beyondprof.com and sign up for our free events. And remember, smart people work everywhere.